0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hello and welcome to episode number 172 of the Draft Analyst, presented by At Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Trapoti. And I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always. And Tony, Senior Bowl week is behind us with the game set to be played Saturday. And there were already changes this year with the site being moved from Lad People Stadium to Hancock Whitney. The North and South turned into the National and American, as far as the teams were named. And all that was planned well before COVID-19 became a staple of life. Obviously, the pandemic shifted a lot of things about this year's Senior Bowl including my attendance with a three-month-old at home. But, Tony, what else was different about this year's event?
0: Well, the stadium's very nice. And, it, you know, I think uh, from a site perspective, I like Lad Peebles because you can get higher up in the stands and it's steeper. But uh, the South Alabama Stadium and the facility is actually very nice, and it's pretty simple to get to. Uh, really, the big difference was there was – fewer people in attendance, both from a media side, significantly from a media side, because you usually have a lot of beat reporters on hand who weren't there. And there were a lot less scouts and head coaches and, and NFL sorts. I, I think the other big uh, or the, the huge difference was, you know, there wasn't too much fraternizing at night. There was, it was not too much socializing at night. The Players Hotel, which is usually a popular hangout, was a lot of it was cordoned off. There's a uh, a big restaurant bar area downstairs. You couldn't get into that. You could get up to the second floor, but you were kind of cordoned off from where the uh, players were. You were able, able to hang out outside the upstairs, the second floor restaurant, which is a nice place, which we did, but there really wasn't too much mingling between people. E- even the, the, uh, the bar spots, I mean, beats, which is a very popular spot watering hall at night was pretty much empty. Uh, I did make my way down the Dauphin street a couple of times, and you know, hung out with a few people there, although it, it was a significantly uh, less crowded Mobile. It, it was almost what I would imagine Mobile would be like the Thursday after Senior Bowl week, not during Senior Bowl week.
1: So pretty much what Mobile would be like, you know, 51 weeks out of the year, it kind of was a little more like that
0: this year. Well, no, because Mobile actually is the home of Mardi Gras. And in the past, what happens is the Senior Bowl were really butt up against Mardi Gras. And uh, during Mardi Gras, uh, Mobile is packed. So uh, I I don't know if it's 51 uh, weeks of the year, maybe it's 48, although it gets pretty crowded in the summer. I've been down there, it's it's a pretty good tourist spot because they do have some nice beaches down there.
1: Now we'll get to this week's show in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. The Super Bowl is right around the corner with championship games in the rearview mirror. And the Chiefs
0: facing off against the Bucks. So, if you're looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, Bet Online is the best and only place to lock it in. Speaking
1: of the big game, Patrick Mahomes' Chiefs are currently three point favorites over Tom Brady's Bucks. Just when Jets fans like us thought that Tom Brady and Super Bowl were no longer going to be synonymous, well, here
0: we are. Obviously, we know who the straw that stirred the drink was in New England, don't we? Yeah, everyone, uh, there was always the age-old debate, Belichick or Brady, Belichick or
1: Brady. Hey, this year has provided an answer, at least so far. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes.
0: So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, moving
1: on to what happened this week at the senior bowl. And certainly we will start at the quarterback position as we usually do. Certainly the most important position on the field. And, and also it just makes it easier to just kind of go through the names here. Um, you know, we talked about guys coming in, you know, obviously Kyle Trask was injured, did not participate during the week. So a missed opportunity for him, but the other guy who, you know, is universally considered a day two prospect with some potential to go in day one, depending on who you talk to was Mac Jones and you know, everything Mac Jones did this week, seems like he did an excellent job raising his draft stock and you know, really making it seem like he's going to go at least ahead of Kyle Trask again, just, you know, a missed opportunity for Trask here, but you know, everything here says Mac Jones showed really good leadership. Down in Mobile, uh, you know, really missed with his receivers, which, you know, people kind of questioned like, hey, he had a lot of talent around him at Alabama. Well, certainly has a lot of talent around him at the Senior Bowl, but he acclimated well to that talent. Obviously, Jamie Newman was a name that, you know, both Tony and I like as a player, probably more than scouts do around the league. Um, you know, he had sort of an up and down week from what I saw. Um, but you know, again, Tony, you're the one down there. What'd you see from guys like Mac Jones, Jamie Newman, and even, you know, the like Kellen Mons and Felipe Franks and Ian book and, and even Sam Ellinger, what, what'd you see from the quarterback position down there?
0: I mean, it was the Mac Jones show. Basically that's, a, that is what it is. What oh, I'm still got three, two, one. It was basically the Mac Jones show. It was Mac Jones and everyone else. And Mac Jones was outstanding. I mean, he had a lot to gain and a lot to lose showing up to the senior ball. And he was a big winner every single day. You mentioned how in tune he was with pass catchers. I mean, his timing and his accuracy with guys who basically were foreigners to him until Tuesday, the first day of practice. Uh, it, was, it was tremendous to watch. He had some misses, but some of those misses were, mis- I, I thought, were miscommunications. He was throwing outs, and the receiver was doing in-cuts. Did have one pick on Thursday. But overall, I mean, he's shone brightly. He was an incredible leader. He had, was in total and complete grasp of everything that was going on. You know, there's no doubt in my mind he's going before Kyle Tresk, and he could go first round. In fact, I think what you're going to hear as we get closer to the draft is people are going to debate between he and Trey Lance. Trey Lance is probably more af- uh, athletically gifted. He's got better physical skills, but Trey Lance also has a lot more downside risk. And he's a lot less NFL ready. Mac Jones displayed himself to be a guy who you could probably plug and play in a lot of systems and you could do so quickly. I was very impressed with him. If there's questions as to whether or not he's going to play in the game because he had an ankle sprain. I can tell you that's a legitimate injury. I was about to tweet that on Thursday when I, when I saw it in practice. But I said, uh, better not because let, let's see where it goes. But he was scrambling, eluding the rush. He ran into the end zone, and then I could see him pull up. I thought at first it was a hamstring injury. They later said it was was an ankle injury. It is not Mac Jones just trying to find a way to back out of the game. It's a legitimate injury. And I'm pretty sure that if he can play, Mac Jones will play. Uh, Kellen Mond had his moments, although he was very inconsistent. I'm concerned about his reads. I'm concerned about uh, some of his accuracy. Jamie Newman started hot on Tuesday. I mean, he looked really good, and he got worse as the week progressed. In fact, on Thursday was his worst day of practice. He looked like a guy that hadn't played football or competitive football in a year. He was struggling with his reads. He couldn't make a decision. He had a lot of wayward throws. He threw some bad interceptions. Uh, The national team, the quarterback play was just not good at all. Philippi Franks has got great physical skills, but you don't know where the pass is going, and he stares down his receivers. Ian Book is a very good short and intermediate range passer. He throws a nice ball, but he cannot try the the pass downfield. Sam Ellinger just does not have the physical skills for the next level. I met Sam Ellinger on Monday night, got to speak with him a little bit. He's a nice guy. He's an easy guy to root for. But, I mean, it it was just the lack of arm strength and his inability to zip the ball – was very relevant was very prevalent I should say the first two days and then Thursday when the wind kicked up it was a real problem
1: and yeah, I mean back to Newman real quickly that's certainly not a good sign when you start well and kind of fade as the week goes along I mean you know a lot of it's the senior bowl atmosphere is some players will struggle early, you know, depending on the position and then they get better and improve during the week. And it, and it kind of shows you're coachable. It kind of shows you can take to you know what the staffs are telling you, what they're trying to teach. But for Jamie Newman, it takes so many steps backwards after certainly taking a step backwards with his opt out this season, cannot bode well for him in the
0: draft. I think right now he's a late round pick. You're looking at a six round uh, type of guy, you know, as I said, a pro football network, I, I think that last day of practice or those final two days of practice are what people are going to remember. He's got the physical skills. There's no doubt about it. On Tuesday, uh, he was showing off his arm strength, and there was one play where he rolled out to his right uh, at, towards the end of practice. He had two receivers about three yards in front of him, and rather than take the safe outlet, he drove it down the sidelines into a tight, end, into the, uh, tight window into, into a tight end's hands for a terrific reception. But really, Tuesday is when it started and ended for uh, Jamie Newman because he really struggled. He had his moments Wednesday and Thursday, but overall, they were both negative days. Now, moving on to the running back position, where
1: obviously the headliners, Najee Harris, a lot of people were surprised to even see him anywhere near yeah. the field. Um, certainly did not really participate and everything like that. But, you know, it has to be a good sign that he's out there trying to do whatever he can to compete and, you know, coaches and, and everybody else being able to speak with him. He's, he's just there kind of for show, but certainly not a bad sign. Um, you know, a guy that was very interesting going into the week was Demetrik Felton out of UCLA, and he lined up a lot at receiver, and he looked good. I mean, when you can show off like that um, as a receiver, as a running back at the senior bowl, that's a positive sign. Uh, you know, pass protection is another situation where, you know, backs can show a lot or show a little. Um, you know, you got guys like Kylan Hill who showed pretty decently. Michael Carter had his issues, but obviously he's an explosive back when you're not going to keep in to block. Too often, I know your boy, Chris Evans, uh, had some good moments. Sony, break us down what you saw at the running back position.
0: I'm going to disagree with you. I think he did a, a disservice to Dimitri Felton, and I spoke with his agents about this. I mean, showing he, he, did, he did a solid job at receiver. He took some good reps at running back. But what are you going to do with a player like that? It wasn't like he showed himself to be a dominant running back who could also catch the ball out of the field. So now you go towards the draft, and is he a running back or is he a receiver? somewhere in between, I thought they should have just played him at one position primarily and then let him try the other position. I was told the game plan going in was to get him most of the reps at receiver, and he did a good job. So maybe he's a late round receiver, but I thought he had the potential to be a mid-round running back. Now, moving on to the other guys, I thought overall, most of the ball carriers did a good job. I was most impressed with Khalil Herbert of Virginia Tech. He is an explosive guy. He is someone who really wasn't on the scouting radar before the season began. was a uh, was a Kansas transfer who took over the reins of Virginia Tech, and he really showed great explosion, great foot quickness, the ability to make defenders miss. I mean, he just pops out of the hole and has an explosive burst with the ability to beat defenders into the open field. Did a good job as a pass catcher. He's not a strong blocker, but he did a a solid job with blocking assignments and during blocking drills with his technique. Staying square, getting his hands into opponents. He's got to improve that strength at the point. But overall, it was a terrific week for uh, Khalil Herbert, as it was for Michael Carter. I think Michael Carter is not the biggest guy in the world, but he showed great quickness, the ability to create, the ability to make defenders miss, as well as catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he leads the senior ball as a – Middle-round choice, scouts I think are pretty firm on him being a good situational ball carrier at the next level. Highland Hill of Mississippi State, as you said, had a good, uh, good week. I thought Larry Roundtree of Missouri had an exceptional week. Came in at 216 pounds, but showed the foot quickness and the creativity and the ability to make defenders miss. as like a smaller 185-pound back. I mean, that's how good he was setting up defenders and constantly leaving them grasping for air because he was able to dart around them caught the ball very well, did a solid job blocking. The one pure fullback on hand, Ben Mason, also had a terrific week. He was dominant during blocking drills, did, did a great job with the one-on-one assignments, won out almost every single time, and he also caught the ball very well. Uh, and it wasn't just two or three yards off the line of scrimmage, it was downfield, 10 and 12 yards. Didn't see him take any, any carries, but he did a good job blocking, did a good job uh, catching the ball. More of your old time sort of West Coast fullback, uh, a position that's not really used that much these days in the NFL. The one running back I thought who really struggled was was Ramon J. Stevenson. The lack of quickness that he had, especially when compared to Michael Carter or Cleo Herbert, was obvious to everybody, as was his speed. They tried to run him around the corner a couple of times. He couldn't, he couldn't turn the corner. He was terrible in blocking drills. I think Stevenson Ramondre Stevenson of Oklahoma is probably the only back that leaves the senior ball with worse grades than when he entered.
1: Now, moving on to the players who are paid to catch passes, and those are the wide receivers. The guy that got universal hype the first two days of practice before sitting out Thursday with an injury was Dwayne Eskridge. Out of Western Michigan, played cornerback in 2019, moved back to wide receiver in 2020 after starting his career at that position and really impressed. Uh, Tylen Wallace was really as polished as people would expect. Another guy who sat out Thursday, a guy who didn't sit out Thursday, and a guy that we've discussed on this podcast, Frank Darby. Uh, he made a lot of plays, a lot of highlights, very consistent as well. So certainly a good showing for Frank Darby, who didn't really have much of a season Uh, to show this year. Same thing with Sage Surratt, who had no season after he opted out. Another guy who sat Thursday, but first two days of practice, really made an impression. Nico Collins, a guy that shows out at the catch point. Kate Johnson from South Dakota State. Amari Rogers. I mean,
0: a lot of guys looked good. Tony, what did you think of the receivers? Well, I think the first big story from the receiver uh, unit was Devonta Smith (laughs) refusing to weigh in, which was, I I mean, it was it was – unheard of. He wouldn't stay, wouldn't get on the scale. And, and that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And a lot of people are thinking now this guy may be 100, under 170 pounds, which is going to be a red flag. I mean, after the sensational year he had winning the Heisman, uh, the way he showed up to play week in and week out to go to the senior bowl, you mentioned Najee Harris before, but for Devonta Smith to go to the senior bowl and, and refuse to weigh in, that's not good. And I think that's going to hurt him, even though he is still a terrific receiver. Dwayne Eskridge was unstoppable the first two days. I mean, he was separating from defenders with his quickness in and out of routes, with his speed. He was constantly getting two to three yard advantage on, uh, on, on the opponent. The only time he wasn't catching the, bat the ball was if an errant pass was delivered to him. But I mean, here's a guy who coming into the season, was graded as a street-free agent. I think leaving the senior bowl, you're looking at a day two pick. Didn't practice Thursday. I was told it was a sternum injury, was 50, and I'm told, I was told on Thursday anyway, it's 50-50 for game, game day. Injuries were not a problem for Frank Darby because Frank Darby showed up every single day and competed, and he competed hard, and he made a lot of sensational receptions. It was good to see. Last year, I expected big things from Darby. He had some injury issues obviously, Arizona State was really affected with COVID cancellations. Uh, Darby looked like he belonged, and he played well, and he he played hard, and he played well every single day of practice. Nico Collins, Nico Collins made a lot of good receptions. The problem with Nico Collins is there's no quickness in his game. There's no speed in his game. He can't separate. He was slow off the line of scrimmage. I'm thinking of guys like Hakeem Butler, of Iowa State, who everybody loves with those highlight reel films, but he can't separate in the NFL, which is why he's looking for a job. I don't think the situation is exactly the same for Nico Collins, but I still think he's going to be downgraded on draft boards because of that inability to separate. Cornell Powell of Clemson, guy who came out of nowhere last year, wasn't even great, wasn't even mentioned by scouts, had an up-and-down week. I thought Sage Surratt had an up-and-down week. Austin Watkins of UAB had a real good week of practice. Not the fastest guy in the world, but a sharp route runner. Made a lot of really nice receptions throughout the week. Thought he helped himself. Kadarius Toney of Florida helped himself. I thought Josh Palmer, who entered the season as a third, fourth round pick by NFL scouts, kind of fell off the radar last year because he just played terrible football. He rebounded and he had a real nice week. So now you're looking at a guy who's probably going to go midday three right now.
1: Now, moving over to the other pass catchers at the tight end position. And really, the focus here mostly on the national team, where you had three players Hunter Long from Boston College, John Bates from Boise State, and Kenny Yoboa from Mississippi, who all had pretty good weeks. I mean, Bates was pretty consistent, a bit more involved in the passing game in Mobile than he was at Boise State. Uh, Yoboa. Pretty much showed what you expected out of him, the ability to stretch the seam. Um, you know, Hunter Long's a guy who can block, but also is a guy who can handle volume as a receiver. You know, Noah Gray was a bit up and down from what I saw. Trey McKitty, um, people liked what he did as far as how he played. Speaking of the South tight ends, Tony, what did you think of
0: the position? I think with Hunter Long, Kenny Yeboah, and John Bates of the national squad, they were good each and every day, although I did not see Hunter Long on Thursday. I think, like you said, Yaboa did a terrific job catching the ball, but he also was a solid blocker. I think he was much better than expected than what people thought with his blocking. Hunter Long was good both catching the ball as well as blocking. Made a lot of terrific receptions. The thing with Hunter Long is he doesn't show much speed on the field. He doesn't show that burst. He looks like he's a last day, fourth round type of tight end as far as the athleticism is concerned but a day-two pick as far as the position or or, or his abilities at the position as a pass catcher and blocker. Now, what I'm told about Hunter Long is that he's going to test well. He's going to run much faster than anybody expects. So then teams will have to decide, you know, is this a situation where the guy just needs to be coached to play to his speed? Uh, John Bates was all around. He was terrific. He caught the ball very well. He was probably the be- one of the best blocking tight ends at the Senior Bowl, if not the best. The problem is he's just slow. I mean, he looks like he plays to a 4'8.5, which means he's- if he gets drafted, it's going to be very late. But I think Bates has a place at the next level as a third tight end. Uh, Kylan Grantson of SMU had a terrific week of practice. Number one, he was taller than many people thought. He was over six foot two. He was originally projected at, at six, one and a half. So you didn't know if he was a true tight end. Lined up as a the tight end, lined up as an H-back, caught the ball very well, competed to come away with the difficult receptions. I was impressed with his blocking. Wasn't the greatest blocker, but wasn't losing out. Thought he did a solid job. Two guys that really disappointed me. You mentioned Noah Gray. I think Noah Gray disappointed me because here's a guy who got top 75 grades from scouts coming into the season had an okay year, and basically looked like a very ordinary, mediocre tight end. He wasn't fast. He wasn't a dominant pass catcher, and he got destroyed as a blocker. Quinton Morris also had a very difficult week. Quinton Morris of Bowling Green, a guy who I graded as a fifth-round pick coming into the season. Uh, Scouts graded him much, much lower, but he had such a good year. He got invited to the senior bowl. He just looked intimidated. I mean, he was dropping catchable passes. He was getting annihilated with uh, blocking, and he's a bigger tight end. So it was a real bad week for Quentin Morris.
1: Now, the last position on offense we're going to discuss is the offensive line. And, I mean, the winner here – I don't know if Tony agrees here, but the winner pretty much universally from everybody is Wisconsin Whitewater's Quinn Miners, who is used often at center, a guy we didn't even – Hit on too much on the preview show, but I mean, he came out and you know, typical small school offensive lineman at the senior bowl. I mean, you had Ali Marpet a couple of years ago. Then last year you have Ben Barch. I mean, so many guys kind of come out of the woodwork from whether it's Division three, Division two, small schools, whatever it is. Quinn Miners just seems like another guy who did that. I uh, mean, you know, a couple other players who had seemingly nice weeks. Creed Humphrey had a pretty nice week. Deanti Smith didn't practice Thursday, but seemed to play well the first two days. Trey Smith showed you what he can do as far as strength and power as a blocker, but issues with quickness, um, things like that, which again is something we talked about as a guy, you know, he was graded very highly entering the season as I think it was the top senior prospect. Tony can correct me on that. Uh, you know, we discussed how maybe that isn't the case, but Tony, what do you think about, you know, miners Smith and, and some of the other guys along the offensive line?
0: Well, if anybody follows me on Twitter and follow me during the week, you know what I thought of Miners because I was all over him uh, talking about how outstanding it was. In fact, I said, the more I watched Miners play, the more I was thinking about Ali Marpet when he was at the senior bowl, whatever it was five, six years ago. And, and the way he was so dominant, there are different types of blockers. Miners is a basically punch in the mouth, absolute dominant at the point of attack type of offensive lineman where uh, Ali Marpet was more of a zone blocker who was able to hold his own against bigger defensive uh, linemen with, with great technique. But Miners really showed himself to be the real deal. I mean, uh, Odigi Zua of UCLA probably wished he never showed up at the, uh, sh- at the senior bowl because on back-to-back plays, Miners just buried him. And when I say just buried him, blocked down on him and took him out of the action. Someone had said that Miners actually hurt him on one of the blocks. Uh, he played both guard, he played both center. He was terrific at both positions. He took everyone. He took on everybody. And he, he's, he's fun to watch because he wears this Jersey that creeps up over a stomach. And he's got a beer belly type of stomach. If you uh, listen to the preview show, I had mentioned that people thought that he was going to be real good two or three years down the road. And the problem with him was he was a little bit top heavy. I'll tell you this. He showed some dominant lower body strength. Real good in uh, pass protection, an absolutely overwhelming run blocker. And he does it with good technique. It, it's not just he's just arm wrestling, guys. He block, He bends his knees. He blocks with his legs. Uh, it, he was absolutely outstanding. I thought David Moore of Grambling had his moments as well where he looked really good. He's a guy who I graded as a seventh round uh, prospect. Came into the season graded by scouts as a street-free agent. I mean, and here's a guy, Grambling, didn't play at all last year, just like Miners, because uh, their, their prospective programs postponed their seasons to the spring. Uh, that's something else that's got to be con- uh, taken into consideration. Uh, I thought Moore looked real good. I like them better at guard than I did center. Uh, as you mentioned, Trey Smith was terrific. I mean, he's not a zone blocker. But if you keep him in a small area and you ask him really not to move across the line of scrimmage, he is absolutely he really showed well uh, through most of the days of practice. Uh, I thought Dylan redunz of North Dakota State had his moments. Played both left tackle as well as guard. I liked him better at guard. Fundamentally sound. A couple times had some issues with his hands, but he did a, overall did a real good job. Uh, Brendan James. Of Nebraska was absolutely outstanding. Lined up primarily at left tackle, showed better than expected footwork. Was terrific in, in pass protection. It was absolutely dominant uh, as a run blocker. Adrian Ely of Oklahoma lined up at right tackle and had a terrific week of practice. I think he's a guy that has cemented himself as a day two selection. Spencer Brown of Northern Iowa. I was really looking forward to seeing him and he struggled. He looked like a guy that hadn't played football in a long, long time. That's exactly what was happening to him. Uh, He was getting hammered at the point of attack. Uh, Just had a lot of rust. I think Jake Curran also really struggled. The uh, tackle from Cal, he was getting beat at tackle. He was getting beat at guard. One last guy I thought had a real good week of practice, Jalen Moore of Western Michigan. Now, if you listen to our summer previews, we started off with the Mac and I mentioned how scouts had not even graded more. He, they completely ignored him. And I hadn't graded as a fifth round choice. Here he is at the senior ball. It was a very important from the show. Well, after a good senior campaign, it was terrific at right tackle. And I think Jalen Moore could be a fifth round pick the way I projected him over the summer. I think at the very least he's at the very latest, he's a six round selection.
1: Now hit the defensive side of the ball right after this note from our sponsor. With the new year comes tons of new big games in sports. And with big games, you need big stakes. Kansas City Stakes has the cuts you crave to celebrate
0: the playoffs and the big game. Visit kansascitysteakscom slash gameday and save up to $25 on combos perfect for your game day. Plus get free shipping with our code Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V at checkout.
1: Try out the Snack Pack Combo featuring small plates with big flavor, mini beef wellington steak burger sliders, mac and cheese melts, shrimp wrapped in bacon, and every order is flash frozen and delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Basically, every cut of steak
0: imaginable, plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue, and so much more. And Lord knows I had enough barbecue and mac and cheese during Senior Bowl week. Again, go to kansascitystakescom slash Gameday and use our code believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, at checkout for free shipping. Kansas City Stakes. big games, big taste.
1: Now, on to the defense, and we'll start with the defensive line. A couple guys that we discussed heading into the show. I'm Jordan Smith. I know Tony. You said he was used primarily out of a three-point stance, uh, not used standing up, not used really at linebacker at all. Strictly used as a pass rusher. Um, you know, speaking of some other pass rushers, the two pit guys, Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver, had their moments. Weaver, especially on Wednesday, and certainly you know Jones against Power and Weaver in terms of his athletic ability were two things to watch during the week. Uh, Dalen Hayes from Notre Dame really showed out at times, and a couple guys that you specifically mentioned. Ellerson Smith from Northern Iowa, Wyatt Hubert, and Iowa's Chauncey Golston, as far as being an explosive rusher. Break down what you saw from the defensive linemen and the
0: pass rushers. Dalen Hayes was terrific, and he was unstoppable until he met Quinn uh, Miners. And then Miners was the only guy who I I saw in the three days that was able to stop Dalen Hayes, and Hayes did it on the outside. He did it on the inside. Very athletic, explosive, looks like a versatile player. Uh, Carlos Basham had his moments. They were using that defensive end and defensive tackle. You can see the athleticism. He easily moves about the field. He's a guy who can create a lot of havoc. He's just got to pick up the consistency. William Bradley King, the Baylor uh, defensive end by way of Arkansas State, had flashed ability throughout the week. Chauncey Golston, he's uh, of Iowa. He's just so quick and explosive off the edge. He's got a terrific closing burst. Problem is, he's not the biggest guy in the world, not the strongest guy in the world. He's got to get a little bit, uh, uh, add some bulk to his frame. Uh, You mentioned Ellison Smith, very athletic. Did it standing over tackle, did it coming out of a three-point stance. He was very tough to stop. Cameron Sample had his moments, the kid from Tulane, uh, uh, hard-rushing defensive end. I thought Marvin Wilson really struggled. Marvin Wilson was getting uh, held up at the point that the Marvin Wilson, the defensive tackle from Florida state was getting held up at the point by Drake Jackson. Who's a lot smaller. I think Marvin Wilson, some people have projected him as a second round pick third round choice. I right now have him as a fifth rounder. Uh, Malik Herring suffered a significant injury on Thursday. He was out in the field on crutches with a full leg cast or a full leg blow up, basically from uh, from thigh down to ankle. But Teron Jackson of Coastal Carolina really didn't do too much. Janarius Robinson of Florida State, flashed ability, very athletic, but he's got to be uh, a bit more consistent. Taquan Graham of Texas, again, had his moments, flashed ability, until he went up against uh, Quinn um, Miners, and then Miners basically shut him down. A lot of these guys were good until they met Miners, and then Miners, even the uh, some of the uh, the Pittsburgh guys, Uh, got shut out by Miners.
1: Impressive week from Miners when we're talking about them at two positions. Uh, Move on to the linebackers here. And it's hard to see a lot from the linebacker position. Sometimes, I mean, you see them in coverage, you know, a guy like Jabril Cox, for example, um, you know, a lot of people were impressed by what he was able to do in coverage, his drops, his ability to stay with tight ends and backs, tough Borling and uh, Baron Browning got kind of outshined by Ohio state teammate, Justin Hilliard. It seems No Monty Rice at all, which was certainly a disappointment and takes some of the Lester off the linebacker position. Charles Snowden was in a boot on his right foot. Uh, Tony, what did you see from a linebacker position that just had a few players that really just did not participate that we were personally looking forward to seeing?
0: Yeah, a lot of the Big Ten linebackers played very well. You mentioned Hilliard, a guy who wasn't even mentioned by scouts coming into the year, and he was all over the place making a lot of plays. Derek Barnes of Purdue, a big explosive, uh, strong run defender, who also showed a lot of ability and coverage. He did on tape, when you watched him, uh, basically just dropping back in into zone coverage. But during drills, he was able, Barnes of Purdue, was able to stay downfield uh, with opponents in coverage. Very impressive. I think he's a guy that's going to be underdrafted and it's going to be a real steal. Tough Borland, basically lived up to his name. I mean, he's not the greatest athlete in the world, but he is tough every single down he shows up. Darren Browning was a lot like his film has been the past two years at Ohio State. It's great on occasion, but then he disappears and, and, and you don't see him at all. Uh, Tony Fields, I thought, had a real good week. He's very explosive. He sells out to make plays constantly around the action. Wyatt Hubert of Kansas State was primarily used as a defensive end, and as I said on Twitter, Wyatt Hubert is what you see on film, or he was at Senior Bowl practices, what you see on film. A guy who goes 100 miles an hour every single snap how McCarver shed jr. He looked good in drills. He's very fluid. He easily moves about the field, but to be honest with you, I really didn't see him make too many plays. Patty Fisher really struggled. I think of all the bigger named uh, linebackers Fisher struggled. He's good when the action is in his immediate vicinity, but if he's got to cover any area laterally, or he's got to make a play in coverage, Forget about it. I, he was getting killed in coverage uh, against line, against the running backs and tight ends, which I think is really going to push him down draft boards. Now, moving
1: to our final position, the defensive back position, and a guy that we have discussed often on this show. And, and frankly, a guy I wish I named as, uh, you know, the on the record of as far as who we thought was going to be a winner coming out of the week, Richie Grant out of UCF. I mean, this guy, again, just good at football, he's very consistent. college showed up every week and he was very consistent every day this week showed up tuesday wednesday and thursday even played some corner and made some plays covering receivers that other people couldn't cover so i mean just a really really impressive week from richie grant could easily be the biggest riser from the position if not one of the bigger risers as a whole along with quinn Miners, his teammate aaron robinson at corner had some good practices Thomas Graham of Oregon, um, you know, it was up and down, seemed to have a good day on the first day. wasn't as good Wednesday. Tony can fill us in on what he did on Thursday. Um, you know, Cam Bynum, another guy we wanted to watch. We wanted to see if his speed was something where he was able to stay with receivers downfield. Tony, was that something Bynum was able to do? And kind of give us the thoughts on the rest of the defensive back position
0: here. Bynum never got beat deep. I, I mean, really, from the get-go, I was impressed with Bynum. He's smart, but he's also tough. He's got Good ball skills. He did a terrific job getting his head back around to track the pass in the air. He played physical football. He was very, very productive. I thought Keith Taylor, another uh, Pac-12 cornerback, also had a good week of practice. Good ball skills. Very physical. Not the fastest guy in the world, but makes up for it with real good instincts. Ben St. Just of Minnesota showed ability throughout the week. Showed some flashes. You mentioned Thomas Graham. Thomas Graham really struggled on Thursday. I mean, he was getting beaten like a drum. Davis Daniel of Georgia, uh, again, another guy who I thought struggled. Here's a guy who came into the season with a top 45 grade by scouts. He looked more like a seventh-round pick. You know, I know everyone's in love with Aaron Robinson. And somebody asked me, you know, do you you think he's a first-round pick? And I, I said, no, no way. Aaron Robinson, he's physical, he's fast but he kind of reminds me of DeAndre Baker in the sense that he plays the receiver's hands. And for all his wonderful physical skills, his instincts leave a lot to be desired. If the play is right there in front of him, he can make a play on the ball. If he's got to turn around to find the ball in the air, or he's got to think or react, it's a big struggle. And uh, he usually ends up losing. I thought Darren Hall of San Diego state, had a solid week of practice. You know, you think of all those San Diego State cornerbacks that were highly rated, that had all these gaudy stats in college, and then they won terribly solo, or they, they they end up to be absolute disasters during uh, all-star games. Darren Hall had a, uh, a real solid week of practice. Move over to the safety position. Richie Grant wasn't consistent. Richie Grant was terrific. He was absolutely terrific every single day making plays on the ball when it's in the air or when it's in the running back's hands. He had two picks the final day of practice. He made one pick in the end zone where he had a great move uh, on the receiver. And then he had one out to the sidelines, both in red zone coverage, really showed like he belonged. Now I graded Richie Grant as a potential third round pick over the summer. I kind of moved that down a little bit because he doesn't look like he's got great next level speed. If Richie Grant, can run the four fours, I think he's a guy that's going to end up in that third round because of the way he played and because of his impressive uh, showing at the Senior Bowl. Joshua Bledsoe of uh, Missouri uh, had some good moments during Senior Bowl, as did Sean Davis of Florida. Really, Hamza, really Dean of Florida State, I thought was a disaster uh, at the Senior Bowl, but I got what I expected. I mean, he's a big guy. He's very good against the run but he can't move sideways and he can't move in reverse. And literally we, were, we would be watching the one-on-one drills and whoever we was sitting next to when uh, Nazrila Dean was up, I'd say this play is going to be over in five yards because the pass catcher would be, was going to be behind him. And that's always what would happen. Whether it was a receiver, whether it was a tight end, he couldn't flip his hips, couldn't do anything in transition. And he was constantly getting beat. So I think he's a guy who was worse for the wear after a week of practices at the senior ball. Now, Tony, we've made it through all the positions here. Do you have
1: any parting thoughts from Mobile this year, whether it's about the play on the field, whether it's about, you know, how different the event was? Just what was your feeling leaving this year?
0: Well, I I mean, the play on the field was no different than any other year. You had prospects like Richie Grant and Quinn Miners who really elevated their draft stock, and you had guys who were disappointing. But, but I think the Senior Bowl really deserves a round of applause, Jim Nagy and the entire Senior Bowl staff, because they did a great job. It was basically they just moved forward from the, from the get-go, and they said, we're not going to cancel it. They made sure everybody was – you know they implemented rules to protect everybody. I think everybody made it work. And I really think that the NFL and uh, National Scouting, who runs the Combine, she called, pick up the phone and talked to Jim Nagy about how he did this when you had people, both players and media people, flying in from all parts of the area, all parts of the country, and he was able to pull this off with two practices a day. Practice started at 11.30 in the morning. We weren't out of there till 4.30. So really the combine should probably call Jim Nagy to get some tips because he did a fantastic job pulling this off, making sure everybody was safe, making sure everybody was comfortable. And it, it basically the objective was served over the course of three days of practice. Now there's the game tomorrow. And maybe the NFL and the, the powers that be that run the combine can figure out a way to run, you know, a workout event for the 300 players that are, you know, are getting invitations for the combine should happen.
1: Yeah, certainly going to be a strange draft season if the combine does not go on. Could be more reliance on pro days, which you know, we all know hand timing and and certain surfaces and, and things like that kind of affect the results there. But what we do know is that Tony, you're one of the best in the business when it comes to getting information from pro days. So
0: no combining more pro days means more tout for you. If there are pro days, I mean again, if you're following me at Pro Football Network. We've got the whole situation with Davis Mills and and the Stanford Pro Day being uh, canceled. I mentioned yesterday, no one thinks that any of the schools in California, USC, UCLA, Cal, or, or Stanford are going to have Pro Days. Well, I'm t- as I said in the article yesterday, University of Washington is saying they're going to have a Pro Day, but privately they're telling people they're not going to pull it off. You look at the state of Oregon, probably not going to have Pro Days there. So, And even... Then it's even with that, it's going to be difficult to get the information because you know darn well the number of people allowed in a pro days, scouts or whoever, is going to be very limited. You're not going to have the same crowds that you've had in the past. So you've got to, you've got to wonder which pro days are going to be pulled off. I would, I, I'd say right now the pro days in the SEC, in the states of Florida, in Alabama, and LSU – won't be a problem. Most of the pro days in the ACC shouldn't be a problem. I'm told that Virginia Tech has already scheduled their pro day for, I believe it's March 26th. The Big 12, I'm sure that's not going to be a problem. Most of the Big 10 should be able to pull off their pro days. But again, what's gonna, what's the MAC going to do? You know, Conference USA doesn't have that many prospects or, or guys that teams are going to be chomping at the bit. Obviously, you got some guys at UAB who we mentioned Uh, that that scouts are going to work out. The fact is, is I I think the, that's why I talked about uh, the combine. I think really the NFL did a disservice by pushing the onus of the workouts onto the colleges who are not going to want strangers, AKA NFL scouts and others walking on the campus to work out their players tidbits
1: like everything you
0: just heard is exactly what i was talking
1: about when it comes to tony with the pro days that however is it for the 172nd episode of the draft analyst presented by the sports podcast network do you believe if you're enjoying the show please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review and feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback that you may have as well We'll be back next week with more NFL Draft coverage and maybe even some more Pro Day information from Tony. But until then, on behalf of Tony Pauline, I am Chris Tripodi, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E.